Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Good morning. <laughs> hey, let's start off the new year with prayer, hey? First Sunday of 2020, you're in the right place. You're in the best place. You're right where God wants you to be right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this new year, Lord. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Lord, that you have good plans for us. We know the plans that you have for us, Lord, to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future. They're good plans. They're good plans. And we want to thank you in advance, Lord. We want to thank you for your providence in this coming year, for your protection, Lord, for the healings we're going to see, for the salvations we're going to see, for the transformed lives that we're going to see, Lord. We thank you for adding to our number. Lord, we thank you for all the good things. Come on, let's start thanking Him. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, as the Word says. Give Him a praise before you even see it. Give Him praise in advance. So we thank you, Lord, for what you're about to pour out on us in this coming year. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to talk about 2020 vision this, this year. I used to have 2020 vision. Now I've got glasses. But uh, we can have 2020 vision in the spirit. And 2020 vision means that you can see well up close and you can also see well into the distance. You can see well what is right in front of you. You can also see well what is yet to come. So that's what 2020 vision is. And God's desire for us is that we all have 2020 vision going into 2020. That's God's desire for you, that you can see clearly, that you can hear Him clearly, that you'll have clarity of mind, that you'll be focused. That's what God wants for you. But if, if we're going to have that, that means that we need to seek Him because it comes from Him, doesn't it? So that means we need to set apart some time to hear from the heart of God, to hear what he has for us in this coming year and in this coming decade. Proverbs 29:18 says, "Where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint." So when people don't have a vision, when people don't have a clear direction, they just throw off all self-control. They throw off all focus and they just do whatever. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Who wants to be blessed? Who wants to be favoured? Yes. Blessed is he who keeps God's principles because they keep us on track and they keep us in his favour and they keep us in his blessing. And that's what we want, isn't it? The Message Bible says if people can't see what God's doing, they stumble all over themselves. They're stumbling around in the dark because they haven't taken time to, to seek God and to see what he's doing. The Passion says where there's no prophetic vision, people wander astray. People wander off. They, they haven't got their eyes on a purpose. I read, I read a quote that says, i just got to find it. Decide what kind of life you really want, then say no to everything that isn't that. 
So get in the presence of God. Let him show you what kind of life, what kind of path you need to choose. And then you can say no to everything that isn't that. See, if you don't have a vision, you don't have anything to say no to. If you don't have a vision, you don't have anything to say yes to. You're aimless. You're vulnerable. You go with any whim or whimsy or anything that comes along your way because you have no clear direction. We need to have a clear vision from the heart of God. We find that in the presence of God. And then we can say, yes, this lines up with what God has shown me. No, that doesn't line up. That doesn't line up. That doesn't line up. Yes, this does. And we become very purposeful and we become very focused and then we can hit the mark that God has in front of us. So we need something to say yes to. We need something and then we can say no to everything else that isn't that. And that comes from being in God's presence. You know, we're all in God's presence right here, right now. He says that, you know, God inhabits our praises. While we're worshipping right now, while we're listening to his word, we're in his presence. And he can speak to you right here, right now. But we need to incline our ear. We need to lean in to him and be focused and be listening and be expectant for God to speak to us because he has a specific plan for every single one of you, a specific word from the heart of your father for you. But we need to lean in and listen. In Joel... 228. It says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Everyone say, All flesh. That's you, that's me. All flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. You know, we're living in the last days because, you know, when the Holy Spirit came down in Acts, they said, This is the fulfillment of what Joel prophesied. And we're still living in that. We're still living in that New Testament age. And it says your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. So it doesn't matter how old or how young you are, you're never too old to have a vision, a fresh vision from God. You're never too young to have a fresh dream from God. So I don't want you to think, well, I'm, you know, I'm past 50 now, I'm past 60, I'm past 70, I'm past 80. God's got nothing more for me to do. I'm, I'm over the hill. I'm past it. He says your old men will dream dreams. God has a new dream for you. Even if you think you're old, God has a dream for you. God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. God has something for you to do while you still have breath in your lungs. God has something for you to do. And our, our more mature ones are here to speak into the lives of the younger ones, to encourage them, to impart wisdom to them. And the younger ones, I was going to say we need to. <laughs> when you're middle-aged, you don't know if you're young or old anymore. We need to listen to the older ones, don't we? We need to honour what they have to put into our lives. And, and if you're young... Or if you think you're young, then expect visions from God. God has a fresh vision for you. God has a new vision for you for the new year and for the new decade. But he does it by his spirit. He does it by his spirit. Who who, uh, has New Year's resolutions? Who's a resolution person? I know you're going to stick to it, Jono, because you stuck to last year's. So that's awesome. 
is it's only like a small percentage of people that actually stick to it. But you know, if it's a Holy Spirit inspired resolution, then he empowers you to, to follow through with it. He gives you the supernatural power to follow through with it. It's not just a natural goal. It's a supernatural goal. So I really want to encourage you to get before God and to seek him for the plan that he has for you this year. And he will empower you to carry it through. He will so empower you to carry it through. I, I, I saw someone this time last year and they said, my New Year's resolution is to lose 10 kilos. And then I saw them halfway through the year and I said, how's it going? And they said, great, I've only got 15 more to go. <laughs> Sometimes that's how it happens, unfortunately. But <laughs> that's all right. We, there's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. And talking about ageing, did you hear about the 95-year-old who got herself out of a speeding ticket? Because she said to the police officer, I just have to get there before I forget where I'm going. <laughs> no, we're not going to lose our memory when we get old in Jesus' name. <laughs> 2020 vision, 2020 memory. So number one, we're just going to look at a few points about vision. Number one, vision comes in his presence and through his people. God gives his vision to us two ways, in his presence and through his people. Vision comes by spending time in his presence. I'm talking about an encounter with God where he reveals his plans to us. I'm not, I'm not talking about humanistic goals. You know, you see a lot of rubbish on the internet about follow your dream. You know, if you want it bad enough, you can make it happen. blah de blah but humanistic goals, you know, that's, that stuff is just going to pass away, isn't it? But kingdom goals, those are the things in our lives that endure and God can give us those. The angel said to Mary, with God, all things are possible. With God, you can conceive something supernatural for the coming year. Mary conceived supernaturally because the angel said to her, with God, all things are possible. It's not just a natural vision, it's a supernatural vision. So when you get with God and you seek him for this coming year, he can supernaturally cause you to conceive something amazing. It's not just a natural goal, it's a supernatural goal. And he empowers you to follow through with it. Hebrews 8.5 says, this is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you build according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. See, Moses had to go to the mountain to get the pattern from God. The mountain represents the presence of God. Sometimes we need to get away for as long as it takes. We need to shut ourselves away, spend time with God and say, God, speak to me. I need to hear from you for this coming year. I need to hear from you for this coming decade. And I'm not moving off this mountain until I hear you speak. And I've come expectant and I've, I'm coming into your presence and I've got, this is how I would do it, this is not how you have to do it, but I've got my notebook, I've got my pen poised and I'm ready to hear from you, God. I'm ready to hear your plan. Here's a plan for you. Every single one of you. And each of our plans 
although they all mesh together beautifully, will look a little bit different. That, fa- that phrase, prophetic vision, everyone say prophetic vision, that it talks about in Proverbs 29. It means instruction given to the people via God's prophets. So it means the public teaching of God's word. We're so blessed to have so much access to the teaching of God's word, aren't we? You know, we can come here and we can open the Word of God together. We can dig in it together. And then, you know, tomorrow you can go on the internet and you can listen to an amazing message from Hillsong or Planet Shakers or Bethel or whatever. We have such a smorgasbord of good teaching that we have access to. We have no reason to be spiritually starving. We have no excuse to be spiritually lazy because the Word of God is out there. It's on our phones. We carry it with us wherever we go. We have so much access to the Word of God. We we are not without prophetic vision. We are not without the teaching of God's Word. But it's only when we apply it that it goes into action in our lives. It's only when we apply it by faith that it produces something fruitful in our lives. In Acts 2.42, the early church, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to communion, to prayer. So when, when Stephen brings the vision that God's given him for us, as a community in two weeks' time, you can take that and you can devote yourself to that. You can go, okay, God, that's the word you've given to the church. How is that going to outwork in my life? How is that going to outwork in my family, in my heart? How is that going to outwork for me personally so that I can be part of this? It's not like, oh, that's for the church. That's nice. But we are the church. I am the church. You are the church. It's got to ooze out of each one of us. And then when we become this dynamic, powerful community of people where we own it, where we we chase hard after it together. And who knows what God can do with a group of people when when we devote ourselves, when we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the teaching, to the prophetic vision. When we devote ourselves to it, God added to their number daily those who were being saved. The church blew wild. It blew out of proportion. There were thousands that came to salvation because they devoted themselves to the prophetic word of God. What can God do with us if we do that? What can God do with us next year, for over the next decade, if every single one of us devotes ourselves to seeing that word outworked in our life? I'm excited about that. I'm so excited about that. But it says when people don't devote themselves to to the teaching, they perish. That word perish means to be made naked, stripped of God's favour and stripped of God's protection. So God gives us spiritual covering. He gives us spiritual teaching. And when we step out from under that and go, that's not for me, then we're removing ourselves from God's favour, God's protection and God's covering. We're making ourselves naked of the umbrella of God's covering. So that's what that word perish means. And we don't want that. 
In 1 Samuel 3, it talks about a time in Israel's history where there was no prophetic vision. There was no good teaching coming into the community of Israel at that time because Eli was the priest and he hadn't been doing his job very well. So this is when God anoints Samuel and Samuel rises up to be the new prophet to the people. So it's in 1 Samuel chapter 3, if you want to go there with me, we're just going to have a look at this. One Samuel chapter 3, it says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. So Samuel was the child that Hannah prayed for, and she devoted him back to God. And he ministered before the Lord under Eli. And it says, In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Right? What I was just saying, we live in the days where the word of the Lord is everywhere. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And the reason why the word of the Lord was rare, because Eli had failed to instruct the people to stay faithful to God. It says that uh, one night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see. This is a description of him physically, but it's also a spiritual description of him. His spiritual discernment and his spiritual sight had become so weak that he couldn't see anymore where God wanted to take the people. So it says, um, and the reason for that is because Israel was running amok and particularly Eli's sons were running amok. They were meant to be the next generation of priests. They were off sleeping with all the women in the temple. And not only that, but it says uh, that they were eating, taking the sacrifice that was meant to be for God and eating it. It says that they were fattening themselves on the portion that was meant to be given to God. We're not meant to take the portion that's meant to be given to God and use it to fatten ourselves. That's God's portion and we're meant to give it to him. So God was displeased and it says in uh, 1 Samuel 3 verse 13, For I told him that I would judge his family, this is God speaking about Eli, because of the sin he knew about, his sons made themselves contemptible and he failed to restrain them. So he failed to correct them and uh, Israel was going off the rails. So God raised up Samuel and it said that Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. See how Samuel positioned himself where the ark of God was. He positioned himself in the presence of God and he was close to Eli. So if Eli needed him during the night, he could get up and meet his needs and, but he was right in the presence of God and he heard God speak because that's the place where we hear God speak. So it says that Samuel was asleep. He heard a voice say, Samuel, and he ran to Eli and he said, did you call me? And Eli said, it wasn't me, so he went back to bed. And then he heard Samuel. He went, oh, Eli, Eli must need me. Eli, did you call me? And Eli said, no, go back to bed. It wasn't me. Samuel goes back to bed and he hears Samuel. He goes, oh, this old man's losing his marbles. So he goes back to Eli and he goes, did you call me? And he says, no, but I think God's talking to you. So go back to bed. And when God speaks to you again, say, speak, Lord, I'm listening. So he goes back to bed. 
God says, Samuel, and he says, speak, Lord, I'm listening. He was just a young kid, and it says that he was still learning to discern the voice of God. And it's interesting that God chose to speak to Samuel and not to Eli, because Eli wasn't listening anymore. Eli wasn't listening anymore. So God had to speak to a boy who would speak to him. But Samuel was listening. And thankfully, Eli remembered when he used to be close to God because then he could tell Samuel, this is how you should respond when God speaks to you. So initially, Samuel made the mistake of thinking Eli was calling him when God was calling him. But we can make the mistake of thinking someone is calling us when it's God calling us. Or, you know, someone speaks to us and we go, oh, that's just mum. That's just dad. That's just the pastor. That's just my friend. That's just the teacher. Oh, that's just that lady that's a bit weird. But maybe God's trying to talk to us through them. Maybe God's got something to say to us through that person because he appoints people and he positions them around us so that he can use them to speak to us. It's so good how God does that. So when someone speaks into your life, honour that. Honour that. Bring it before God. Make sure it lines up with the word of God, but honour it because it's often God is trying to speak to us. So God speak to, speaks to us through godly leadership and through personal revelation that we get from spending time in his presence. Somebody told me in the break that this is the Hebrew year of the mouth. It's the Hebrew year of the mouth. That's interesting, isn't it? So this is the year of our declaration. This is the year of our prophetic declaration where what we speak, it's already been declared. What we speak is going to be powerful this year. It's going to be, it's always powerful, but maybe even more so this year, hey? So that's number one. God speaks in his presence and he speaks through his people. God speaks in his presence. You know, God, God also said something else to me this morning that there's, you know, if you're, if you're struggling, he told me there's people that are struggling with depression and thoughts of self-harm, maybe even suicidal thoughts. And if that's you, you need to use your mouth to battle against those thoughts. You need to declare... When the enemy says to you, you have no purpose, you need to say, thank you, God, that I have a purpose and I have a plan in your kingdom. You need to use your words and you need to find a scripture and you need to stand strong and not list, identify the eyes, lies of the enemy and, and say, thank you, Lord, that I'm precious. Thank you, Lord, that you love me. Thank you, Lord, that you formed me in my mother's womb. Thank you, Lord, that you adore me. I'm the apple of your eye. I'm ordained to be here at this time. Thank you, Lord, that the enemy has no power over my mind or my soul. Thank you, Lord, that I'm yours. I dedicate my life to you. I'm grateful for the life that you've given me. You need to start declaring those things in opposition to the lies that the enemy is trying to tell you. And if you need help, 
someone to stand with you, then you need to find a godly person that you can trust that will stand with you in fighting that battle. Don't let the enemy take you down a a road of self-hatred because God loves you so, so much. God loves you so, so dearly. God loves you so much and he has goodness for you. He has strength for you. He has purpose for you. So be aware Anyone with a purpose, the enemy is going to try and attack. That means all of us, right? So be aware that he will come at you, but you have the strength within you because of Jesus to stand strong against any attack that the enemy will try and bring against you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to pray for one second. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just declare your lordship over every heart, over every person, over every soul. Thank you, Lord, that you are Lord of this place. You are Lord of our lives. No weapon formed against any of us will prosper in the name of Jesus. We declare that and we agree on it in Jesus' name. Amen. Number two, vision requires perseverance. So God will give you a vision and you will need to persevere in that vision. Joseph got a vision, didn't he? Next thing he knows, next minute, (laughs) his brothers have sold him into slavery. So it looks like the complete opposite of the vision that God gave him. He responded by serving that master well. Next test was a test of his integrity. God gives you a vision, your integrity is going to be tested. Where Potiphar's wife noticed that he was handsome, he was, he was smart, he was young, and he was around more than her husband, right? So she decided that she was going to come on to him. And he responded by running. Is that the, the response that we need to have when our integrity is tested? So your integrity will be tested, the vision will be tested, but just stay focused, stay strong, and God will will have you where he needs you at the end of it. Because Joseph ended up being in a place where he was able to bring freedom to his whole family. He was able to provide for his whole family when they were about to be destitute. Who knows what influence God has in store for you, for your family, and for other people, if you will stay focused and persevere in the vision that God has given you. But don't be surprised when it's tested, because it will be tested. Don't be surprised when you're tempted, because you will be tempted. If you have a pulse, you will be tempted. Okay, but stay true to the vision that God has given you. Number three, vision requires a plan. God has a plan for your relationships, for your family, for your employment, for your health, for your physical health, for your mental health. He has a plan for every area of your body. We just need to seek it out. We need to ask, seek and knock. You know, it's, I, want, I want to stay strong as I go into my 50s, 60s, 70s. 
That's not going to happen unless I have a plan to exercise, is it? I can say that until the cows come home, but unless I get off the couch and do something about it, it's not going to happen. So I need to make a plan, a daily plan to strengthen my, my body. And, you know, we can have a plan that we want to get more familiar with the Bible this year but or a dream. But if we don't make a plan, it's not going to happen. And there's plans on our phone. Chelsea was telling me there's a plan where you can read for the, through the Bible in one month. If you listen to it on double time and do it hour a day, you can get through the whole Bible in one month. How crazy is that? You could read it 12 times in one year. But even if you read it once in this year, make a plan, make a daily reading plan to get familiar with the Word of God, to memorize the Word of God, to get it into your heart, to get it into your soul. Whatever plan God, whatever vision God has for you, make a plan. Don't just go, that's nice, hope it happens. Make a plan. Yeah. And my last point. Vision is panoramic. When you look at the dream that God gave Joseph that his brothers were going to bow down to him, he thought it was all about him. Oh, I'm going to be a great leader. Oh, I'm going to be the greatest of my brothers. But God's plan was so much bigger than that because it was his plan to take care of his whole family and the generations to come. God's vision that he has for your life is panoramic. It is wider, it is deeper, it is bigger, it is higher. It is far more reaching than what you could ever ask, hope or imagine. It's going to affect the generations coming after you. It's going to affect the people around you. The vision that God has for your life if you stay focused on it, if you stay true to it, you will be amazed at what God can do with one person's obedience. Our obedience is not inconsequential. There are people watching you to see how you're going to walk out your walk of discipleship. There are people watching you that have questions because they're not sure if it's for them. They're not sure if it's real, but they're watching you to see how your journey pans out, to see if it's real, to see if it's life-transforming, to see whether they should devote themselves to God. There's generations coming after you that are going to ride on the coattails of your faithfulness, of your prayers, of your dedication. There are generations, your children, your grandchildren, your grandchildren's children that are going to ride on the coattails of your prayer and your devotion to God. God's vision for you is broad. And even when you can't see it, He's working. Even when you can't feel it, he's working. He never, ever, ever stops working in your life, in the lives of those around you. Stay the path. Stay the path. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard. No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, that's you. But God has revealed it to us. God has revealed it to us. Other people don't see it. 
other people don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to other people, but for those that love Him, He reveals it to us. He shows us. He shows us the big picture. If we get in His presence, He'll show us bigger, deeper, more amazing things. He's revealed it to us. Who wants to know God's ways? Who wants God to reveal His ways to you? I want to know His ways. I don't want to waste time doing it any other way. Because it's just that. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of enemy energy <laughs> trying to do life any other way but God's way. Can we stand together? I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, spend some time in the presence of God this week. Just seeking Him for what He has for you this year. He will speak to you. He will speak to you. If you come into His presence. Hungry. Expectant. Serious. Wanting to hear from Him. He'll, he'll speak to you. He'll show you. Because there's two ways that we can enter the coming year. We can say, God, I have this. This is my plan. This is my dream. God, have, you know, this is what I want. This is what I want to achieve. By this time, I just need you to bless it. I just need you to provide for it. I just need you to open all the right doors for me. Connect me with the, all the right people, God. I just need you to do this for me. But God's not our genie and he's not our sugar daddy. He's our Lord. He's our saviour. So there's another way we can approach this year where we say, God, Whatever you want. What do you want for me? Father, I lay it all down. I empty myself, my ways. I empty myself of my preconceptions. Make me a vessel. Make me a vessel. Show me your plans. Show me your purposes. Show me your will for me, Father. And I know you'll provide for it. I know you'll protect me. I know you'll go before me. But I just want to honour you. I just want to honour you with my life. That's surrender. That's, that's what surrender looks like. So if that's you, I just want you to reach out your hands in front of you. And I, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to every hungry heart. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing your purposes, your plans, your ways that are so much higher and so much more wonderful than our ways and your thoughts that are so much higher and so much more wonderful than our thoughts. Thank you for revealing them to each heart, to each mind. 
and empowering us to follow with our whole heart. Thank you, Father. Have your way in us this year, Lord. Have your way in us this decade, Lord. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in this place, in every heart, in every soul, in every family. Lord God, let your, your will be done. Let your kingdom come. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Bring on your goodness, God. Bring on your, your purposes. We trust you. We trust you. Thank you, Jesus. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. We're going to finish with some worship, but please come up the front if you'd like us to pray with you. Thanks for joining today. It would be so awesome to see you at church this Sunday. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.